Welcome to Sustainability Podcast. Our podcast brings you interviews with innovative pioneers, change makers, young leaders, social workers, academicians and industry thought leaders related to the field of sustainable supply chain. Our goal is to provide sustainability professionals, young managers, academicians and anyone who is eager to make a sustainable impact and I'm your host Vishali Beth. Hello everyone. Today our guest is Parvati Vasanta. Since April 2019, Parvati is a project manager at Bertelsmann Stiftung within the program Germany and Asia and she is working on the country focus of India as well as Asia related topics. The Bertelsmann Stiftung is an independent foundation based in Germany. During a scholarship program of the German Academic Exchange Service, Pavati worked in 2012-13 as an academic for German literature and German as a foreign language at JNU University, India. She wrote articles on interculturalism that were published in anthologies like German Studies in India. From 2014 until 2019 she was managing director at the Indian Honorary Consulate in Stuttgart in Germany where she worked under the mission to foster the economic and political relationships between Germany and India she counseled political institutions private enterprises and non-profit organizations to build up their cooperation and relationships with India She headed the conceptualization and implementation of several major international events in Germany and India. Furthermore, she was heading the Indian Business Center in Stuttgart, helping Indian companies to enter the German market and establish their businesses. So let's welcome Parvati to our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be part of this podcast. Pavati can you tell us more about Bertelsmann Stiftung The Bertelsmann Stiftung is an independent operational non-profit foundation under private law based in Gütersloh Germany and the foundation has close to 400 employees and at the moment about 70 projects are being run by the Bertelsmann Stiftung with an annual budget of about 86 million euros and about um, 194 events are being implemented each year so perhaps to go a little bit back into the history of the foundation the bertelsmann stiftung was founded 1977 based on the conviction of our founder mr reinhard mohn that germany was not doing enough to consider the growing competition between the globe's various social and economic systems So we therefore concentrate on developing solutions capable of addressing challenges in the range of societal sectors and at the same time ensuring the continuity of Germany's political, economic and social structures. The headquarter is in Gütersloh, so our main building is here in Gütersloh where we also welcome you today. But the foundation has offices and affiliates in Brussels, Washington, Berlin and Barcelona. The Stiftung is a private um, operating foundation as I was already mentioning 
And we therefore support and fund only projects we conceive and initiate ourselves and then support as they are being carried out. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to contribute to social reform and our activities are exclusively and directly philanthropic in nature. So perhaps to just swiftly go a little bit into our topics. So our objective is to promote research and understanding in the areas of, for example, religion, public health, international cultural exchange, um, democracy and government, and civic engagement. The Stiftung is grouped into programs, and each of which is led by a member of our executive board And the projects in turn are grouped by topic and activity within each program. So um, our program, Germany and Asia, I am with, analyzes the changes taking place in Asia in order to develop recommendations for German and European policymakers. So it promotes objective and constructive dialogue on the ramifications of developments in Asia and ensures that the relevant issues are given consideration in discussion about the future of Germany. So, as we all know, um, Asia is um, transforming a very, a very fast, and especially China and India are altering the global balance of power. So that is something we, we analyze and we discuss about, and our program offers advice and orientation on that questions about Asia and, and Germany. And one thing we do is that we produce um, academic studies, we um, publish policy briefs, and we hold public events to help institutions in Germany to gain a better understanding of what is happening in the East. So um, yeah, this perhaps to give you a little bit of an overview of um, what we do. So this brings me to our main theme of the day. What is inclusive innovation according to you? Yes, so let me explain a little bit to you the concept of inclusive innovation. So as an objective, inclusive innovation seeks to provide sustainable solutions to those who would otherwise remain excluded from access to offers as a result of their social economic or environmental context. So inclusive innovation as an activity and business model reconciles the goals of commercial viability and making a significant contribution to societal development. Mm -hmm. And perhaps to give you a good example in the area of inclusive innovation, um, that is in my point of view, the Mitikul refrigerator. Mm -hmm. That is a um, product which was developed in India. It's a refrigerator which runs without electricity, is made of clay, very long-lasting and comes at a relatively low price. So it, I think it costs about 8,000 Indian rupees. Okay. So, um, of course, just imagine what impact a product like that can have over the world to low-income countries. So just to give you that um, as an example, so that would be a, a product of benefit to, to people who are not connected to electricity right. and who cannot afford very expensive refrigerators. 
And Parvati, how is inclusive innovation different from traditional innovation? Traditional innovation, or let's start the other way around. Let's start with inclusive innovation. Um, that relates to innovation activities performed with the ambition to provide more for more for less. Mm -hmm. So that is to conceive more functional solutions that are accessible to more customers as they require less resources and come at a lower price. So you actually get a very good package um, with the, with the um, product uh, in the area of inclusive innovation. So um, at its core, the concept suggests that serving the needs of the less wealthy or even genuinely poor need not necessarily be a matter of charity. So that Inclusive innovation gives you a whole new idea of, um, of innovation. And in practice, inclusive ventures as well as established corporates have demonstrated that innovating for those otherwise excluded from consumption can be a profitable business model, in mm -hmm. fact. So um, where developers address simple yet prevalent needs in a smart way, Development costs remain limited and can be swiftly offset by the large numbers of additional customers reached by this newly invented product. So when you ask me about the differences between inclusive innovation and traditional innovation, I think I would rather point out the similarities because inclusive innovation actually points out that doing good and commercial viability goes very well together as a business model. Great. And maybe if I need to ask you how it is different from concepts like frugal innovation, so what will be your idea on that? Inclusive innovation by definition is a little different in comparison to frugal innovation and Jugad um, innovation, for example. So frugal innovation refers to the art of creating radically new products and services with limited resources. It is structured innovation or a mindset that clearly focuses on delivering customer value at, at a predetermined price point. But it doesn't have so much this aspect of doing good. It has the low price and it comes with perhaps with limited resources. So of course, it's also innovative in that way. Mm -hmm. But more explicitly than frugal innovation, which focuses on commercial viability, um, inclusive innovation is more directly associated with doing good or at least with taking a societal perspective when starting activities. And to guard innovation, that's a definition that points out to the creative improvisation yes. of innovation and That is actually something I think in the scientific literature that is the predecessor of frugal innovation. So yes. I would say inclusive innovation comes after Jugad innovation and um, after frugal innovation. That's an interesting point, Pavati. Maybe I can tell more to our listeners that Jugad innovation is an Indian word and it's more like a kind of an innovation where you are trying to put your needs before any innovation and you're trying to fulfill your needs with this innovation mm -hmm. is it yeah yeah exactly so as i said i mean coming from the need perspective that is something which is actually also very similar to the inclusive innovation concept but i will come to that later great 
and uh, maybe now if i need to ask you do you believe frugal innovation can become inclusive in nature is it possible according to you yes i believe it's it's possible because i think frugal innovation can become or can already be inclusive mm-hmm. so if a product is radically new and at the same time has the objective to do good and to provide access to goods and services to otherwise excluded groups it can be frugal and inclusive so that's something which which definitely matches nevertheless frugal innovation by its definition is more about commercial viability and the desire to open untapped markets via attractive price points so as i pointed out earlier there is a difference in in the definition between those two innovation activities absolutely and you will soon publish a study on inclusive innovation can you give a sneak peek uh, about your research and result to our listeners yeah let me give you a few um, background informations about the study that will be published very soon in both the political domain and in the impact investment community inclusive innovation has become a much debated phenomenon in the recent years in academic discussions the term stands side by side with related yet not identical concepts of frugal and jugard innovation mm-hmm. so we talked about that earlier in contrast to these conte- concepts however the concept of inclusive innovation has remained um, more weakly defined so as a result inclusive innovation has represented a difficult to measure opportunity for business and society inclusive innovation is not captured by international indices that measure innovation because they are very often local and informal so that means the founders often do not register patents or have huge r&d budgets so basically the phenomenon is not being measured on a country level and this was our approach this was the academic void we wanted to close with the study inclusive innovation atlas so the atlas set out to or was developed to amend this persistent fuzziness first by clarifying our fundamental understanding of what inclusive innovation is and then by providing concrete evidence of triggers enabling conditions and existing activities in the field of inclusive innovation in those asian countries so to give you a little bit more substance to to this perhaps a little bit theoretical elaboration so the the study developed a two dimensional approach to capture this phenomenon by measuring the challenges faced by countries against the capacities the countries have to solve them the scores are based on a combination of primary and secondary data for 21 emerging countries um the challenges score points out to the enormity of problems a country faces for example this is being done by measuring the lack of infrastructure by measuring the low economic development by measuring vulnerability and disparity so did you had set criteria for the study yes the criteria were set mm-hmm. in the study and those two perspectives 
challenges and capacities. Those are actually the, the main dimensions mm -hmm. on the basis of which we developed a scoring system to show how much potential a country has with regard to inclusive innovation. So in capacities, for example, and um, just to give you a better understanding, the capacity of a country measures the ability to come up with new ideas and implement them in a stable environment. So we do this by measuring a society's preference for change, absorptive capacity of innovation, or we measure robust institutions and governance. So in short, on the basis of primary and secondary data, we came up with 72 indices mm -hmm. or indicators. Mm -hmm. And the two main dimensions, challenges and capacities, they both constitute the Inclusive Innovation Atlas. To go a little bit further, we also had primary data incorporated in the atlas. So the study provides evidence of existing activities. So We looked at, for example, political rhetoric and the general awareness among practitioners in the area of inclusive innovation. So basically looking at the genuine impact inclusive innovation has on a socio-economic development. So what, what we did regarding the method, um, empirically, insights are drawn from a broad-based survey of experts conducted in um, 2018 By means of the survey, 77 responses were collected for 21 countries across Asia. So the Atlas can draw on an unprecedented wealth of country-specific expert assessments from diverse national contexts. So, Pavati, how do you group these countries together? Do you have any criteria or kind of any set rules when you select countries for your study? Yes, so... The Atlas actually gives a structure to show that there are different countries with specific environments for inclusive innovation. So by integrating the perspectives of challenges and capacities that I just explained to you, three main groups of countries can be identified with a view to the nature of their future potential for inclusive innovation activities. So An orientation is given with regard to the potential of developing inclusive innovation. Mm -hmm. So the first cluster is a group of countries showing significant challenges combined with a medium level of capacities. So those countries would, for example, be Bangladesh, Myanmar or Nepal. Mm -hmm. And those countries we call or we identify as environments with challenge-driven opportunities. Okay. And the second cluster encompasses a number of countries with less severe but still very real challenges along with a higher capacity level. Those would be, for example, countries like India or Indonesia or the Philippines. And they are identified or they are referred to as natural environments for inclusive innovation because they have a very good relation between challenges which actually trigger and which give a certain pressure to develop 
inclusive innovation, but at the same time have a solid level of capacities to deal and to implement the inclusive innovation products or services. Mm -hmm. And the third cluster comprises countries with above average level of capacities and challenges still significant enough that entrepreneurial motivation is being triggered. So there are little challenges, let's put it that way, like to put it very easy and above average level of capacities. And countries like that would be Bhutan, Vietnam, China, or Thailand. So that is a structure, or let's say it's a model and orientation that Atlas gives to identify different groups of environments or different country clusters environments with regard to different levels of inclusive innovation. Great. And when we can look forward for the study to be published? The study will be published um, after the summer break. Mm -hmm. um, so you can look forward to the study um, in a few weeks. Definitely. <laughs> and coming to my next question, do you think inclusive innovation and sustainability go hand in hand? Yes, I do think those two aspects go very well together. As I mentioned, inclusive innovation is much related to the thought of an inclusive economic growth. That, of course, also takes environmental aspects into consideration. So if products or services are developed to provide, as the formula says, more for more for less, uh, I think sustainability is already inscribed because this should work on a long-term basis. And inclusive innovation is something where sustainability is part of the definition in my point of view. So for you, innovation is path forward for sustainability. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Inclusive and sustainable. Great. And any thoughts on how developing countries can work towards inclusive innovation? Yeah, perhaps if you ask me like that, I would elaborate a little bit more on India mm -hmm. because one key message of the study is that India together with a few other countries like the Philippines or Indonesia holds a very good so-called natural environment for inclusive innovation. So India has a certain level of challenges, for example, a lack of infrastructure. I mean, those challenges are very important to, tr to trigger inclusive innovation in the first place. But at the same time, it has a solid level of capacity. So, for example, India is very well known for its cultural preference for change and also uh, for robust institutions and, and um, government. One result of the study is that India has very good conditions to develop and to integrate inclusive innovation. So that's why I think it's very beneficial to look at, at India. And what can developing countries do to, to talk more about India? So India, for example, has a startup program. It's mm -hmm. a flagship initiative to build a strong ecosystem for nurturing innovation and startups that actually drive sustainable economic growth. So, of course, the government and policymakers can, can do a lot to promote small companies and startups that actually have the aim to produce and to um, sell products in the area of inclusive innovation. Another example, if we look at India, is products in the area of financial inclusion. So... 
Financial inclusion has the aim to provide universal banking services to address and offer solutions to the constraints that exclude people from participating in the financial sector. So research shows that countries with deeper levels of financial inclusion have stronger GDP growth rates and lower income inequality. So I think if we look at innovations, so for example, digital innovations can have an inclusive impact if they apply on financial instruments, for example, bank accounts, credit outreach, insurance products, pensions and payments. I think the schemes which have been introduced by the government in the area of financial inclusion also um, already makes this correlation. But of course, there, there can be a lot more done to explore the effect and chances that lie in inclusive innovation. So Parvati, I think you are the right person for me to ask this question because you have worked on Indian projects and projects in Germany. So how you think Germany and India can partner together for such initiatives? This is a very important question because it actually refers to the practical recommendations and our target groups we would like to address with the topic inclusive innovation and why we think this is very important. So to talk a little bit more about our target groups, the Inclusive Innovation Atlas helps policymakers, civil society organizations, impact investors, social entrepreneurs to, first of all, identify areas of need, the potential for change, and possible markets for inclusive products. And this systematic approach is being done for the first time by our study. Mm -hmm. But of course, the study also implies that countries such as Germany and economic regions such as the European Union, which increasingly struggle to manage the consequences of growing social exclusion, could benefit from exploring the how, why, and where of inclusive innovation that is pursued in Asia and especially in India, because India is a country that has such a high level of potential for inclusive innovation. So such considerations can help decision makers in Europe more broadly to make informed decisions about how to promote inclusive innovation at home as part of a larger effort to create greater social, economic, and environmental sustainability for everyone. Yeah, so basically to deal with the question how inclusive innovation can be a tool to promote inclusive economic growth. So mm -hmm. I think that connection is very important. Yes. So, mm -hmm. But if we look especially at India and, and Germany, I think, first of all, the question how to innovate solutions that are reduced to basic functionalities that work at a lower cost and need less resources is something that, of course, also concerns us in Europe and Germany. I think Germany can expand and leverage its existing technology portfolio by the area of inclusive innovation. So by developing products from a user demand, that is something which is inscribed in inclusive innovation and including consumers at the bottom of the pyramid. A mentality for inclusive innovation is not exclusive to emerging economies like India. And that even in technology-driven contexts like Germany, 
Inclusive mindsets can be gained through active engagement with inclusive markets in and outside Europe. Yeah, and, and perhaps to, to go even beyond that, because I was now elaborating a little bit on the market perspective, of course, there's also a notable interest in inclusive approaches that can be identified among NGOs and applied research technology, technology organizations as both are more challenge-driven than market-driven. So meaning many NGOs have to develop solutions for natural environments of inclusive innovation in pursuit of their mission, while many um, research organizations and um, technology organizations are at least partially funded to find solutions for socio-economic challenges. So I think given that perspective, I was just pointing out and all those correlations that go with inclusive innovation, I think India and Germany can build a dynamic support system for inclusive innovation. So my argument would be think big and think about, yeah, as I said, building a support system for inclusive innovation. And this can happen by bringing together partners, decision makers, players from NGOs, research organizations, social enterprises, and policymakers. So I think Germany and India should work together in this multifaceted perspective in the area um, of inclusive innovation. So Parvati, my last question, do you think it will be a good idea to include a category under CSR budgets towards sustainable innovations? Mm -hmm. First of all, yes. But to um, underline that a little bit, I think one of the main key messages of the study is that inclusive innovation must be defined by its socioeconomic impact it can, it can generate and that it can promote and support inclusive growth because it includes disadvantaged groups and consumers. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to introduce Inclusive innovation as its own concept and idea, inclusive innovation demonstrates that both is possible, sustainability, inclusion, and profitability. In that context, I think that this category should be taken into consideration in CSR budgets, of course. But I even would go one step further and argue that inclusive innovation can be a convincing alternative to corporate um, social responsibility. And this point is also made very strong in the study. So talking about inclusive innovation as a model that doesn't replace CSR, but that can be something that amends to um, CSR. Thank you so much, Pavati, for your views and insight. And we look forward to this study. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a pleasure to, to work with you and to, to have this exchange with you. And I wish you all best success for your sustainability podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's it from this episode from Sustainability. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, ideas, questions or any suggestions for our next guest, please email them to us. If you like our episode, we will be happy to see you subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Till then, happy sustainability.